Welcome to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Gary Washington, the Chief Information Officer of the Agriculture Department. Gary, always a pleasure to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you, Jason. Today we're talking about cloud services, the the move toward cloud. You all have been on this journey probably as long as anyone else in the federal government. I remember back in the... uh, 2010 timeline, 2011, agriculture made a lot of big news about moving email to the cloud. Things have changed a lot since then. So let's jump right in, Gary. Talk a little bit about the, your current strategy to take more advantage of cloud services. Well, our USDA cloud strategy is very aligned to the cloud smart director from OMB and more recently the customer experience executive orders. So we will continue to be a multi-cloud environment, maximize value, improve our customer experience continue to be flexible and have some cost-effective options for um, and efficient op- options for mission-focused applications and for our program owners. We have our cloud program in a secure high-value, we use cloud secure high-value cloud platforms that enable the missions and the programs. So really, for us, it's really all about business value and uh, the best options for mission delivery. And we want to increasingly build our capacities with data analytics, security, and our customer experience platforms. So we've been doing a great deal and we have a large amount of our mission delivery activities in the cloud. That's where I was going to go next. Uh, So let's jump into that because I know a lot of agencies and USDA, again, was one of the first ones, moved a lot of that low-hanging fruit, as they called it, right? The easy stuff, the email, the collaboration, those tools. You all have moved past that and now you're in the mission side. What's that mission side look like as you're delivering cloud services? And and is it mostly software as a service? What's the approach you're using to get to, to meet those mission goals? Well, it's, it's mostly software as a service. And um, the approach we use with our mission areas is we engage them as business partners. And I think it's um, very important that you get their business requirements and be very sensitive to trying to improve service delivery and their customers' experience. So we give them options as to they can choose and what's best for, again, their mission delivery and what's best for from a cost perspective as well. One of the things when you talk about the customer perspective and that mission delivery how has that discussion changed over the last, again, three, five, seven years? In, initially, when you got to uh, USDA, was the mission folks, uh, I won't say dr- being drug into the discussion, but maybe they were a little hesitant. And now are they much more excited to be there? Or what's the evolution look like? Whenever you introduce something new, there's going to be some hesitancy. But I think you need to explain in clear language what the benefits are to making this change and how it's going to impact their programs from a uh, in a positive way. So we took steps to do that. And as we have gone on this journey and we've proven the value of this move, programs have been more, have more enthusiasm around partnering with transitioning their applications to the cloud. So, you know, after all, we're talking about what they do on a day-to-day basis and how they serve the American public. So, you know, we had to do our part on the back end and make sure we're providing value to them. Gary, have you set up any sort of IPT, any sort of business council? Have you set up any sort of place where you bring together the mission areas, the IT folks, the senior leaders, and, and, and have those conversations about what the priorities are, 
okay, what's this mean for you if we take this application, to, if we modernize it, if we digitally transform it? How, how do those discussions happen on a week-to-week, month-to-month basis? Absolutely. We have an integrated project team where um, component CIOs and people from my staff get together and we discuss you know, where we're going with, with cloud and, and how we can work together. Also, we do have a cloud brokerage office in our digital infrastructure services uh, center, which works with the mission areas on their requirements and uh, lays out a path for them to transition to the cloud. So uh, it's a very inclusive process. It's a business-driven process. And, uh, you know, we're not going to just transition for IT sake, but we make sure that it's a business-driven approach. And that's the common, I think, theme I hear from a lot of CIOs, especially over the last, again, four, five, six, seven years that, that move toward that business side. Gary, I definitely want to talk about the cloud brokerage office. I definitely want to talk about some of that work. But let me just take a half a step back. Generally speaking, where are you today with moving to cloud in terms of the percentage of applications or the number of applications? Any data you can share about how much cloud services you, you all are using at USDA? I think it's somewhere in the range of 80 between 81 and 85% of our applications are transitioned to the cloud. We plan on maintaining that pace. And I mean, I don't think we'll ever be 100% file ready because some, some applications, uh, we're, we're dealing with some legacy challenges just like everybody else. So I, I'm very proud of what we've accomplished over the last five years and the uh, benefits that we've realized from moving to the cloud, not just from a cost perspective, but it's also improved our cybersecurity as well. When I've heard, I think maybe your your friend David Shive at GSA is maybe the only one that's uh, even close to 80, 80, 85% of all those apps transition to the cloud. So obviously a lot of great progress there. One of the big discussions we have around when we move into the cloud, and, and you talked about costs, improved cyber, and, and again, good good topics for a little bit later, but let me just take a half a step back, is reducing technical debt. And we've heard a lot from OMB over the years about Agencies have so many billions and billions of dollars in technical debt. Where are you at? How do you measure that? Do you get a sense of that the cloud has really helped you bring down that technical debt? Even if you don't have a specific number, do you get a feeling that more of your applications have been modernized, refactored, or are more efficient than ever before? Going to the cloud has an impact on your technical debt, but I don't personally think that's the only uh, solution for decreasing your technical debt. We have technical debt challenges. Going to the cloud is great, but we we really are focused on, and we have a great handle on and focused on, you know, what we have to do to ensure that we continue to modernize uh, USDA and, and get rid of our legacy systems. From an application perspective, we're doing pretty well. It is the hardware that the applications reside on that we're having a challenge with that require resources and investment, but we're making progress in those areas. Yeah, I know, Gary, I think, uh, again, I, I keep saying much later, much later, we'll talk about this, but I know one of the big priorities for you is around the network consolidation and modernization. So I, I know that's a big piece too. Uh, I want to talk again a little bit about the future of cloud because you all recently released a request information around a new program, new initiative called Stratus. I know it's still in the early stages, but maybe just give me a little bit of sense of what is Stratus, what are the goals, how does it build upon your your current cloud efforts? What I can say is that we're always aspiring to improve on how we provide services and eliminate duplication where we can. And 
That's what Stratus is designed to do, to re, you know, replace some expiring activities that we have going on and continue to provide an enterprise ability to uh, operationalize like financial and cybersecurity platform execution for our mission areas, as well as have greater use of vendor management as well. Now, I know you released RFI a few months ago. There's still a process to go forward. And and, uh, what is the, if you will, for lack of a better word, Gary, timeline that you're looking at? Do you hope to have a draft RFP out later this year, a final RFP out? Is there anything you can tell us? Because obviously a lot of vendors will be interested in uh, trying to understand what your acquisition strategy looks like. I, there's not much to tell by virtue of that right now. I mean, a, a request for information is, you know, basically what it is, a request for information. So, you know, based on the responses we get, Dave Peters, who's heading this up for us, uh, you know, we'll have a discussion about how we move forward. All right. I'm just trying to uh, help help keep your email box from filling up and your phone call, your, your answer machine <laughs> getting filled up. So uh, well, I, I understand. I've gotten a lot of I've gotten a lot of uh, questions about this. And, you know, we have to be um, very careful <laughs> about what we say in regards to wh- where we're going with this. So, no, absolutely. And that's why I thought we uh, at a high level. Just it's always great to get, get kind of that you're thinking about it. Because I think what Stratus does is it builds on, uh, from my perspective, from the outsider's perspective, it builds on some of that work you have been doing, again, over the last decade or so. So let's take a step back. You mentioned this idea of uh, an IPT, but then you also said we also have a cloud broker office. Can you describe a little bit of what that cloud broker office does, how it works, and how it helps those mission areas move into the cloud and, and understand where the modernization opportunities exist? The cloud broker office really is our uh, business entree into uh, cloud services from a metrics perspective, you know, from a cost perspective, from an options perspective, in turn, and, you know, helping mission areas get their um, applications on the proper landing zones so that we're all on the same page in terms of not just what is going on, but how much is cost, how much, how it's performing. When any changes need to be made, uh, our broker office gets involved in that as well. So it's been great for us and it's provided a lot of value. And we're running our cloud activities like a business, uh, which is what we wanted to do, wanted to achieve. Gary, on that note, let's take a quick break. We come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Gary Washington, the Chief Information Officer at the Agriculture Department. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Workday on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Workday on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Gary Washington, the Chief Information Officer at the Agriculture Department. Gary, I want to go back to something you were just talking about when you when you mentioned the cloud broker piece. Understand the proper landing zone. Currently, we hear a lot of agencies talk about this hybrid environment. You mentioned multi-cloud, of course. Does the cloud broker also help your missionaries decide, hey, you should be in cloud X or cloud Y, or maybe you need to stay on-prem, but you can move to the cloud when you have spikes in usage. What's those discussions like? For the most part, people like Casey get involved in, in those discussions, but they everything that you just mentioned is basically what they discuss. They, they discuss better options for performance, costs, what cloud they should use, um, you know, the options that are available to them those kinds of things. Uh, we do encourage our uh, mission areas to come with us with any ideas that they may have. And, and we have discussions about, you know, we don't, I, I, we're not the office of no. 
but we try to provide them information on what would be best for what they're trying to achieve from a mission perspective. You mentioned Casey. It's, of course, Casey Cook, who runs uh, one of your cloud branches. I just did an interview with him on this show as well just a few weeks ago uh, on your API strategy. So thanks for that mention. He did it. And by the way, he did a very nice job. So give him lots of credit. So when you see him, make sure you uh, you, you give, him, give him good credit. I would do that. <laughs> All right. When it comes to the, the this idea of cloud broker, one thing I just also want to talk about is you also can be overwhelmed by the numbers of requests and the number of priorities. Have you found that as folks got more comfortable with using cloud services, have you found that because of the pandemic even, you, you all are getting more requests than you can handle? Or are you able to kind of find that right balance of and prioritize which applications, which mission sets, which data can go to the cloud, which can maybe stay in their current application setup and, and then kind of move to the cloud in, in the future? We've gotten increased business, as you will, but I think we've been able to manage that uh, very well. I mean, we have um, some really talented staff that manages these activities, and we're very realistic about what we can and cannot do and how much it will cost, the level of effort it will, it will take on. And uh, our mission areas have been great partners with us in having those conversations. So even during a pandemic with the increased activity, Working with our mission areas, we've been able to 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 manage that very well. And I think what tends to happen is what I hear from other CIOs is once people get kind of that taste, it's like, oh, wait a minute, we could do this, we could do that. Let's yeah. let's move faster. And and you all, like like any agency, is is limited because of both resources, money, but time, and then also obviously workforce stuff as well. So so it's good to hear you were finding that right balance. One of the big trends that I've been seeing over the last, if you will, again, a couple of years is this more acceptance of software as a service? If you go to the FedRAMP marketplace, the majority of those FedRAMP cloud services are software as a service. Gary, we talked about it briefly earlier. Can you just go through a little bit about how USDA is seeing software as a service and are you using more of it? Or do you see more of it coming into play over the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, I mean, we use software as a service broadly across USDA. I mean, we use it for service management, business management functions across our headquarters and our mission area organizations. And we do uh, a growth across USDA. You know, if the business case indicates positive return on investment and improved customer experience, because we've been hammering home that when we transition to SaaS, um, you know, we want there to be value from that. So, um, but we, we've been using it broadly, seeing Great success with that, and we anticipate the continued growth. When it comes to uh, using software as a service, is it any different than early cloud efforts when you were using platform or infrastructure? Or yes, it's different, but it's basically the same steps, the same approaches you have to take. What's different or, or more challenging or complex about software versus infrastructure or platform, if anything? Well, I, you know, I, I think it is different than infrastructure as a service and platform as a service. I don't think the three of them are the same, you know, but I mean, it's consistent with the challenges, we, our overall cloud challenges. Over the last five years, we've had strong success on an individual program and application basis transitioning to SaaS. And uh, we've achieved increased benefits with the collaborative, collaborative approaches with our mission areas. So, you know, they come to us and we provide them with best practices, security standards, DevSecOps, and other standard approaches. So 
we're trying to get into having people experience reuse, repurposing code, reducing release development cycles, and integrating the customer experience with our management tools and everything. So uh, we're becoming more mature in this, like everybody else, and making sure that we're making uh, decisions for the right reasons. And, you know, we, we do this in consultation with our USDA CIO council and our cloud working group to make improvements in this area and have greater lines of communication. Both of these, are the Cloud Working Group and USDA CIO Council, if you don't mind just giving us, that's different than the IPT you mentioned earlier, or is that yeah. just use different names? No, it's just different. It's different. With the, the CIO Council, it's headed up uh, by myself, and it's, um, it's uh, inclusive of the assistant CIOs from each one of the mission areas. And then we have a Cloud Working Group, which, you know, people from the mission areas have volunteered to uh, be a part of. And that's actually led by a member of our mission areas, but has departmental representation as well. And we take the chance to create IPTs to uh, get business involvement as well, where it makes sense. Feels like, Gary, you could spend a lot of your time just in meetings, huh? Well, (laughs) we we have a lot of meetings, but (laughs) I, I I think this collaboration is important, especially... As technology changes and, and people uh, want to get more involved, you know, I, I think it's important to have a lot of transparency around what you do. So some, uh, of, I, some of this is around, you know, providing that transparency as well. I was just giving you a little bit of a hard time. I, I, I think one of the successes that you are known for is that transparency and collaboration that happens across USDA. You know, I remember the days when each USDA component had their own CIO and you guys were much more disparate in terms of, you know, natural resources went one way or farm service went another. And and the poor person at the top, not before you, had to try to, you know, herd those cats. I think this is an example of you not just herding cats, but really bringing people together to 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 go forward with the smart investments that, oh, we all can use this enterprise service. But for this component, they need maybe something just a little different. And then they can, that CIO can work on that mission side. So, uh just, just offering a, a little bit of, a, give you a little bit of a hard time on the uh, on the meetings. We, we all have them, I know. Yeah. Gary, I wanted to just touch upon the other piece around software as a service. As you move forward, is it this idea that you have to refactor, you have to upgrade to get to software as a service? You obviously aren't just buying new applications all the time. You have current applications that you want to move into the cloud and run as software as a service. What are your big challenges to kind of increasing the amount of, of SaaS applications? First, we need to work again, work with our customers to have a discussion about what makes sense for them. You know, like you said, we can't spend money on upgrading upgrading every single application. We do have a process for preparing uh, applications for the cloud because we, you know, we go through a, a rationalization process that is run by um, by Dave Peters, but. We had some challenges before with, you know, you know, culture and, and, uh, you know, obviously people become attached to things that they develop, those kinds of things. But I think over a period of time with transparency and, and having, um, strategic conversations about return on value, return on value and, and, uh, improving the customer's experience and, and how we'll improve service delivery by going the SaaS route, you know, we've been pretty successful. The rationalization process, generally speaking, 
Is it matter of what are some of those factors you look at? Is it risk? Is it cyber? Is it age? Is it mission? Is it all of the above? Yeah, it's pretty much all of the above. We believe when you go through this process, you know, you definitely need to look at, you know, what what risks the application causes to the enterprise. And, you know, is it secure? What is the return on investment? You know, is it going to improve the performance of mission delivery? What cloud platform is it best suited for? You know, those kinds of things. So uh, I, I think it's all it's all of the above. Do you have any kind of focus areas currently around which applications are being moved into software as a service, whether it's back office or mission, or, or is it just, it depends on the day, depends on on, on what's what's most important? Well, it, it depends on what's requested. I, um, in OCIL, we're looking as we speak on moving what we can to uh, SaaS and, uh, and more broadly into our cloud environment and automating what we can for our customers to make the experience a more pleasurable one. So, but it really depends on what's requested by our customers. So generally there's no focus area like, you know, over the next six months, we're looking at business op- applications versus back office versus something else. It's just, again, it's based well, on need. And obviously we have a goal to digitize what we can and put what we can in the cloud. But we can't do that in a vacuum. You know, that's laid out in our IT strategic plan. But, you know, we do that in concert with our business, our missionary partners. So it's not, um, you know, obviously there's a priority and we we have a prioritized list of applications that we think need to be moved. <laughs> but uh, we can't do that in a vacuum. Gary, on that note, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Gary Washington, the Chief Information Officer at the Agriculture Department. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Workday on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Workday on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Gary Washington, the Chief Information Officer at the Agriculture Department. Gary, we've been talking a lot about software as a service. One last piece to this, and then we're going to jump into some other topics around cloud and, and, and other priorities you're working on. As I mentioned earlier in our conversation, I did an interview with uh, Casey Cook. He's a cloud branch chief, and he talked a lot about the API strategy. Maybe just touch upon that a little bit. Folks can go and listen to the interview, of course, but touch upon the API strategy and how that relates to both software as a service but also cloud more generally, how that's really been a key piece to this strategy. I mean, when Casey talked about it, he immediately brought up farmers.gov as, as, if you will, the quote-unquote test case that really launched you into this API strategy. Our API strategy really focuses on having one source of the truth within our enterprise for mission and program enablement. So we leverage uh, these sources to enable the USDA business to link in legacy data and modern SaaS applications. We talked about technical debt, but we have to optimize the ability to link legacy and modern SaaS applications as well. So we have a broad portfolio of capabilities and requirements. We have commonalities within USDA that could be more effective by optimizing our support to our mission, our mission delivery to the public. So our API-centric approach, USDA can increase data sharing, capabilities to integration between current USDA systems, which basically were historically siloed. So, you know, project managers, program managers, agency head, missionary officials through our API approach can take on things that they've never really had the opportunity to do in the past. And this, this is one way 
for us to show value in terms of making sure people can share data and we don't have so much of a siloed approach to things here in USDA. I'm glad you brought up that piece of data and siloed approach. I think that's been one of the biggest benefits that I've uh, understood about the API strategy. And it, it not only is allowing that data sharing and, and breaking down those silos, it's also connecting the kind of legacy backend infrastructure, the stuff that maybe you aren't either can't move to the cloud, aren't ready to move to the cloud, can't afford to move to the cloud with new cloud services and making that interconnection easier. Would you say that that's really helped drive a lot of your modernization efforts over the last few years? Yeah, I I, I think it has. That's been a big part of it. Uh, you know, we've been, you know, very fortunate that we have a great relationship, respectively, with our, our mission areas. And they've been very open to us being able to provide them with the capabilities to share data and do some of these things as well. So but back to your question, though, I, I think it's had a large part to do with our modernization efforts. Gary, we talked a lot about cloud software as a service. Let me just shift us a little bit because of the other big priority, and you mentioned this earlier a little bit, is obviously around cybersecurity. The administration is, is, is obviously emphasizing the move to zero trust. Can you give us maybe a little bit of an update of where you're heading with your zero trust efforts? And if there's a, obviously where cloud fits into that discussion. In regards to our zero trust activities, you know, obviously we have some requirements that we have to fulfill in regards to the cybersecurity executive order. So, you know, we're doing that and we are approaching this. You know, I just don't think you can approach this in a silo. So we're, you know, this has an impact on your applications and then it ties in to our network security as well. So, you know, we're trying to take a holistic approach and very thoughtful approach to implementing, implementing zero trust across USDA. You know, arguably, we have one of the most diverse departments in the federal government. I mean, we do a little bit of everything. It's going to be a journey for us. I, I think we, um, we're making good progress. We're made in, meeting the requirements of the cybersecurity executive order in regards to this. We're working closely with our network modernization vendor in regards to implementing zero trust for network security as well. So, um, you know, I, I think I think we're going down the right path with this. A lot of CIOs that I talk to when it comes to zero trust, they talk a lot about identity and access management. And Gary, I saw a really great use case that actually CISA, uh, Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, put out uh, under their CDM program that said, uh, USDA Identity and Access Management Tool automates processes and saves resources. Yeah. It was a really interesting case study. Um, I know that's a few years old now, I guess, but that's really the key piece to a lot of what folks are seeing uh, are moving towards zero trust. Can, can you maybe just talk a little bit about where you're at with I, I identity and access management and how that's kind of the the key one of the one of the foundational pieces to zero trust? We are continuing to mature in that area. We made a lot of progress, as you know. You know, zero trust basically means you trust no one when they're trying to access your resources. So you have to. Um, you know, make sure you identify who they are, what they are, what they should have resources to, that kind of thing. So we made a lot of progress in access and identity management. Our CISO, uh, Janelle DeVore, is working with our ICAM team to making sure that um, we continue to mature in that area and everything fits nicely within our zero trust approach. 
And I remember back in the old HSPD 12 days, Gary, you remember that probably with me. Yeah. Uh, USDA was definitely always ahead on their single sign-on using the PIV cards. Yeah. So I would imagine this transition to a more advanced or more modern identity and access management has not been all that difficult. At least I hope it hasn't been from your perspective. No, I, I, I you know, I, and I always have to remind myself uh, how large USDA is. So comparatively speaking, it has not been that difficult. You know, we have a great group of people that are, that are very, very proactive and they think strategically about these kinds of things. And, and we've been making, you know, again, some great progress in this area. One of the things around zero trust is it's not the only piece of cybersecurity you're looking at. Are there other priorities you'd be okay, comfortable to mention that where you're looking at improving your cybersecurity over the next, you know, again, six, nine months? Are there any priorities you'd highlight? Everybody knows about multi-factor authentication. That's a priority for us, improving in that area, as well as, you know, encrypting at rest and in transit. So uh, we, are, we, are, we are very focused on that right now as well. Does that offer any bigger challenge than any other cybersecurity effort you've done over the last few years? We've talked about MFA for years. Again, I brought up HSPD-12. That was kind of the, the first attempt for it. What's the big challenge do you see around kind of getting a more advanced MFA capability in place? Well, it's really um, the challenge that we have, which is not, I don't know, it's not impossible to overcome, but it's challenging, is MFA on legacy, is legacy equipment. You know, we're making a lot of great progress in that, but, you know, we have to be very creative in regards to MFA on on very old systems. So we're working with our mission areas and, and a lot of these are, are mission delivery systems. So we, we're we working with our mission areas to make sure that we uh, work together to uh, resolve any of these con- conflicts or challenges. Conflicts is not the right word, it's very challenges. The complexity when you bring in some of the older systems, and especially if you're talking mainframes or if you're talking even the old client server setup, that doesn't necessarily always position itself well for modern technologies. The other piece to this, and I think it's it's important to talk to when we talk about cybersecurity is the cloud piece. You get a lot of big benefits. You mentioned cost efficiencies, and you also mentioned cybersecurity about the cloud. Are you taking advantage from the cloud service providers and their cybersecurity? Or are you able to implement a piece or two of, this, of the zero trust effort through the cloud? Cyber in the cloud is something that that we're very focused on as well. Obviously, we have we engage our vendors on this topic, uh, seeing as though they we have a, a multi-vendor cloud environment here at USDA. But we admittedly we, we we're making progress in this area. So um but Janelle can probably speak more to that because she's working very closely again with our cloud brokerage office as well as our vendors as well. All right. Well, we'll definitely want to follow up with Janelle. She, it sounds like you guys are, are, are moving down that path uh, fairly quickly. The, the last piece I just want to touch upon when we talk cyber and zero trust, again, uh, maybe we've kind of touched upon this, but since we've talked a lot about software as a service applications, is there a different connection? Is there a better connection? Is there a Does it reduce any complexity by moving more applications into a software as a service environment when it comes to zero trust? Or do you find it's half of one dozen, the, uh, one dozen of the other because you have zero trust, zero trust, whether it's in the cloud or whether it's on premise. In my opinion, it's a little early in the game to make that comparison for us. I will say moving to SaaS does reduce complexity because the overall goal for us really is to obviously 
I think other CIOs feel the same way is reduce your technical debt as much as you can, uh, automate as much as you can, uh, improve the customer experience and improve how you deliver your services. And um, in that regard, through our modernization efforts, we made a lot of progress in those areas. And I think one of the big uh, benefits to obviously the SaaS piece uh, is the inherent of cyber, you inherit a lot of cybersecurity capabilities from the cloud providers. They have to meet FedRAMP, they have to meet NIST yeah. standards. So I think that's at least one thing you you have less to worry about, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, some vendors, is, as a part of their subscription, you know, they do take on those responsibilities. So, and we partner with them on those activities to make sure we're actually meeting our requirements in accordance with the law. Gary, on that note, let's take a quick break. We come back, we can continue our conversation. My guest today is Gary Washington, the Chief Information Officer at the Agriculture Department. I'm Jason Miller, and you're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Workday on Federal News Network. Welcome back. You're listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Workday on Federal News Network. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Gary Washington, the Chief Information Officer at the Agriculture Department. Gary, we've talked a lot about cloud cloud services, software as a service, a little bit of cybersecurity. I want to take us down one last path before in this last segment here and talk a little bit about network consolidation, modernization. I went back and looked at all the stories I've written over the years about CIOs and your position trying to say, oh, this is the time when we're going to consolidate these networks. This is the time when we're going to do it. And I I think uh, if I remember correctly, you have probably the best chance to actually make this happen you got a little bit of money from the Technology Modernization Fund, which is a huge bump that a lot of the other CIOs didn't have. And there's also the understanding of why the network consolidation matters more than ever, both from a modernization point standpoint and a cybersecurity standpoint. So maybe start with an update. Are you making progress? Are you able to kind of go where no CIO has gone before? Well, I don't <laughs> I don't know if we're going to go where no CIO has gone before, but yeah, yes, we are making progress. I mean, obviously our goal is to consolidate 17 networks down to one. And we're, um, we're, we're on our way to doing that. Uh, this is not going to happen overnight. You know, we're taking advantage of the uh, EIS contract sponsored by GSA and working with our vendor. We continue to, to make even more progress as we go along. Uh, as you can imagine, this is a huge deal for USDA as well as our vendor as well, because, um, you know, we're basically, you know, taking a transformational approach to delivering services to rural America and uh, our folks that that sponsor overseas and, and um, improving performance and looking at a different way of managing the USDA enterprise, while in addition to that, uh, introducing modern technologies to manage our net, manage and operate our network. One of the common complaints I hear from EIS vendors specifically is too often agencies are going like for like. Well, we had this technology in 2005, 2007, when we went to networks. Now we're going to do the same technology today. Maybe it's a little different, but we're not really transform- transforming. Sounds to me like you are not doing like for like because of this consolidation. Are, are there areas of the network modernization where you are transforming? Are you moving to software-defined networking? Are you implementing 5G? Is there anything you can tell us about how that transformation is happening? Well, we are implementing our software design networking based on our requirements. I, I don't know that it was a good idea to do like for like. We uh, USDA has a insatiable 
thirst for data. And we create a lot of data, a lot of different kind of data. We have scientists, we have foresters, uh, farmers, ranchers, statisticians, that people to do animal and plant health. So uh, as you can imagine, we have a large amount of data that goes through our networks and impacts our performance. So we needed to take advantage of this opportunity to make sure that we could support the uh, growing uh, mission activities of USDA. And as it comes down the path to consolidation, do you expect to reach a goal? Again, you said it's not going to happen overnight. There's a lot of hard work that still needs to happen. But at what point do you feel like, how are you measuring that success of that network consolidation? We have identified goals that we have, I briefed our secretary and our deputy secretary on. And, um, you know, we're holding not just ourselves, but the vendor accountable for that. GSA is has been a great partner with this as well. So, you know, we're all in this together. I, I think in 2020, at the end of 2024, or beginning of 2025, will be an um, interesting time for us in terms of, you know, where we are uh, with, with this transition. But I think we're the only one that's not really doing like for like. We're being uh, we're transforming our entire network. So uh, this is this is a huge activity for us, and it's a priority for us at USDA and OCIO. And I know it's still early in the process. You're still at least a good eighteen months away, if not more, from really starting to see some serious change. Have you hit any roadblocks or hiccups that you were unexpected so far? Anything that you were surprised by as you've been doing the planning and some of the, the initial work around the network consolidation? When you're doing something like this, it does not come without its challenges. And we've had a couple of hiccups, but we've been man- we've managed to work through them and, uh, you know, continue on our path forward. My predecessor before me, John Donovan, I, I guess, you know, they had the vision to, you know, they had enough foresight to come up with this vision. You know, I can't take I can't take credit for the vision to consolidate, but in regards to us making this happen, everybody knows this is not going to be easy. Uh, we're going to continue to have some unforeseen challenges come up. I think what's important is, you know, how we work through this together and and making sure that we stay focused on obtaining our goals. And just la- one last piece of this, and I want to definitely talk about customer services as well, but have you looked back and seen where things went wrong previously or where things fell apart previously? And, and are you aware of okay, well, in 2014, this is why it didn't work. Or in 20, 2008, this, this is why it didn't work. Are you trying to carry those lessons forward to say, okay, we can't make those same mistakes. And maybe it's just a matter of the business side understanding it. Maybe it's a leadership thing. Maybe it's a resources thing. How are you kind of taking those lessons learned and applying them forward? I can't really say that like when I took on this job in 2017, that I had a lot of opportunity to go back and do a very... Uh, intense, aggressive research on why we didn't make more progress sooner. So, uh, but what we did do is uh, we took steps to include the political leadership as well as the career leadership uh, throughout USDA in regards to what we're doing and uh, making sure that they were um, well-versed in um, how it's going to help them and, you know, what the goal is, what the benefits are, you know, our return on investment, those kinds of things. 
in regards to what may have happened in 2015 or 2008 or those kinds of things, you know, we had some some brief conversations about that. But, you know, we took this as an opportunity to, you know, step the pace up and make sure we went on this campaign to, to make sure, you know, there was a lot of transparency about what we're doing, how much it costs, what the benefits are of the CFO community and USDA uh, has been tremendous for us. Uh, we work very closely with them as well, as well as our procurement officers as well. So it's been really an all hands on deck kind of um, activity. So it's not, it just hasn't been IT. Gary, in our, in our last few minutes together, I just want to uh, touch upon two other quick things. You mentioned customer services earlier on and, and the CX order that's really uh, pushing a lot of agencies forward. At the same time, you also have some back office functions that kind of how they serve your employees or the USDA employees and how they also serve the folks who are, are your, your ranchers, producers, farmers, and the like. So let me start with the back office. Uh, how are you applying CX to things like human resources, procurement systems, uh, other areas around kind of those those important functions that make USDA run every day? Our role really in that is as, as it applies to uh, the HRIT systems and those kinds of things, we work very closely with those business owners. And, um, you know, we recommend that uh, they apply CX practices and and quite frankly, you know, they make that decision before we had that conversation. So we, we work with them on that. We want to make sure that, you know, as we modernize on the back end, that we keep in mind, you know, the real goal is to improve our service delivery and the customer experience. And we do that through engaging with our customer uh, experience uh, officer, uh, Simka Savalka-Bagan. And uh, she's very good at laying out a strategy for us and, and a process and methodology to make that happen. Is there anything more specific you'd like the vendors to know about working with your office and how they should work with USDA more broadly? Just review our USDA IT strategic plan. That's our roadmap through 2026. Um, and we're being uh, measured on that. We're trying to eliminate duplicity and bring in more modern, secure solutions uh, for USDA. The conversations I really like to have are really around how can we improve our service to our customers and, um, you know, rather than talking about things that vendors should already know that are available to them on the website. So it's really, for me, it's about bringing business value to USDA. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. So let me thank my guest. Gary Washington is the Chief Information Officer at the Agriculture Department. Gary, always a pleasure to catch up and thanks for your time today. Well, thank you, Jason. I really appreciate being on. I'm Jason Miller and you've been listening to Ask the CIO, sponsored by Workday on Federal News Network. You've been listening to Ask the Chief Information Officer on Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 10 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One. 